to all of America's veterans, someone is always listening. You are never alone, and you are never forgotten. Hello, I'm Joey Verhalen, and welcome to Voices of America's Veterans. Uh, in this episode, I'm lucky enough to have a guest with me. Uh, this is my friend Richard, one of my favorite people. Uh, Richard, go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Hey, I'm Richard Haley, uh, United States Army, served from 2002 to 2010. Awesome. Um, and if you hear somebody in the background, that is his service dog, Luna. We'll get into a little bit of that later. Um, but yeah, again, this is the second episode of Voices of America's Veterans. Uh, the purpose of this podcast is, one, uh, to let veterans know that there is always somebody listening. Uh, one of the biggest problems that I see with society is that um, too many veterans are dying every day. Uh, too many veterans are committing suicide, and it's just unacceptable. Uh, I've said it before, the numbers being what they are, depending on who you talk to, the number changes a little bit. But it seems pretty consistent that veterans are committing suicide at a rate of one and a half times that of civilians. Uh, it comes out to roughly between 23 to 25 veterans a day. Um, one of my big issues is that if doctors were killing themselves at that rate, if teachers, if policemen, if any other facet of society was killing themselves, was committing suicide at that rate, somebody would have a serious problem with that. There would be investigations, there would be headlines, somebody would want to know. Um, and, and again, to me that's just not acceptable. Uh, so again, what, we're, what I'm trying to accomplish here, and what Richard is trying to accomplish here, is that we're just trying to espouse the talking cure. Uh, we're here to prove that somebody is always listening. Somebody will always will want to talk to you Somebody will always be willing to listen and to do whatever they can. Uh, I'm, I'm not, and you know, none of my guests are going to be qualified crisis counselors or you know, qualified to help you, you know, so to speak, to talk you off the ledge. But we will listen. We will make time for you. We will show you your, do our best to show you your value as a person and as a veteran. Uh, the second part is that we're going to do our best to immortalize some of these amazing stories that each and every veteran has for future generations. Because, I mean, again, you know, I might be a little bit biased here, but I think veterans have some of the best stories that you've never heard, even if it doesn't have to do with combat, if it's just day-to-day. -day. And uh, with that, uh, we're going to jump right into it. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Richard. I believe he has a boot camp story for us he'd like to share. Oh, yeah, yeah. I got a really good boot camp story. It's a... Uh... One of the, I, I, when I joined the military, I was not ready. You know, I was that guy who could do two or three push-ups. It, it took me 20 minutes to run my, my two-minute mile, and I was out of shape. And I had no idea what I was getting into, like I think most of us were. But one morning, we were on a, on a march and uh, going to the range, so we had a rifle, our kit, and everything, and we were we stopped to get the water. So we were doing our guard, and I'm on the ground, I'm in the prone, watching the watching my sector. All right, well, let me let me interrupt you. Uh, when you say prone, explain explain. I'm sorry, that. prone. <laughs> when I'm you, I'm laying down on my on a stomach, looking out with my rifle in front of me, ready to making myself a low, low, uh, low. Um, 
Low profile? Low profile, thank you. Small as target as possible. Small as target as possible. <laughs> when I hear Drill Sergeant Lingley go, Haley, get up and get water. Ooh, drill Sergeant. Jump up, I get the, I get the uh, can of water, and I start getting the four water, four guys around me water. Well, when I jumped up, I left something on the ground. Yeah, uh, if you uh, veterans probably know what I left there, uh, my rifle. And as we all know, that is one of the most serious offenses you can do in boot camp. And I turn around, I hear Drill Sergeant, I swear he squealed like a happy schoolgirl. And I freeze, I turn around, I see his eyes, biggest saucers, smiling ear to ear, looking at where I was laying. I turned around and I that's when I realized I left my rifle on the ground. <laughs> this man, I swear, was 20 feet away. I was like five feet away. He got there before I did. Then I knew I was screwed. He gives it to the lead drill sergeant, Drill Sergeant Hyde. This man was ranger. This man was hardcore, insane fit. So for the rest of the march, I had to chase this man down, trying to get my rifle. Wearing a like an 80 pound pack with a big chew in his mouth, running backwards, I could not catch him. <laughs> Running me up, parading me up and down all the companies. I tell you what, when we got to the range, I was so tired. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Though he did give me the rifle and said, good job, because the most important thing about boot camp, as we know, is never, never, never give up. And that's the most important thing we need to know is we we never give up. We push forward. We go. We adapt. We overcome. Always. Uh, so just a quick question back to your story, which, again, I've heard quite a few stories like that. Always very entertaining to me. <laughs> um, you said he was a ranger? Yes. Oh, okay. And uh, it's my, I mean, it's my understanding. I mean, you know, again, we're dealing with a lot of civilians, hopefully, but yeah. Uh, Rangers are regarded as elite, correct? Correct. They're they're a step above. So yeah, you admitting you're not ready for boot camp, but you know now you're having to chase down one of America's elite. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a picture I have in my head. Um, now mine, uh, I'm not gonna go as personal or as embarrassing because I'm, <laughs> I'm going for entertaining here. Um, very early in Navy boot camp. Uh, you're not qualified to work out. Uh, you basically have what they regard as an entrance uh, physical readiness test, what we call a PRT. Um, so you have your first PRT, and if you pass that, you know, you're qualified at that point to do push-ups, sit-ups, and basically what we call get beat, which they would exercise you until you puked. Um, we call it a smoke sessions. We call it a smoke sessions. Smoke okay. sessions. Yeah. I mean, they called them all different things, yep. you know, getting beat, getting cycled. Uh, but yeah, we didn't call it smoke sessions, but, uh, yeah, until you pass that initial PRT, um, they couldn't do that to you. Um, 
I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna go into names because again, this is pretty. I doubt even she remembers, but you know who knows if she's even gonna listen. But uh, we were an integrated company, so I did have females in my boot camp division, and we're standing in formation, and the lead um, recruit division commander, we called him RDCs, uh, approaches this one female who had not passed her initial PRT yet, and uh, the substance of the conversation was: was she going to pass the makeup, or was he just wasting her his time talking to her? Well, she didn't answer, and she's behind me and to my left, and I hear her start crying. And we're in formation. So she starts crying, and then she starts sobbing. And then all of a sudden, I just hear this, whap, 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 whap. And I, my initial thought was that the drill instructor is beating the tar out of her. And even though we're in formation, we're not supposed to move, I turn my head and she is just sitting there slapping herself in the face over and over and over while she's sobbing. And as much as I you know, want to say I maintain my military bearing, I did not. But I was not the only one. And evidently at this point, she decides she's had enough and walks out of formation and just starts walking. We, she, I mean, there's no way she could see straight at this point. Because like I said, she was wailing on herself and she was sobbing so... She was just walking to get away from the situation. And our lead RDC, he said, recruit, get back in formation. And he said it two or three times. And she finally stopped, but she made no move to get back in formation. And she's just sitting there crying. And he said, do I need, you know, we, we, have, we call them master at arms or MAs, but that's our version of military police. And his, he says, do I need to call the master at arms? Well, she's standing there in front of everybody at this point in the middle of the parade ground. Luckily, we were the only division out there, but, you know, still, that was 80 people watching this. And then she proceeds to start smacking herself again in front of everybody. And, again, I mean, I've, I've seen fights, but I have never seen somebody hit themselves as hard as she was hitting herself in front of everybody. And she did it a good six, seven, eight times. And again, you know, even the, even the RDCs, you know, are all smiling and we're all in formation, just standing here, just like giggling, even though we're supposed to be locked in at attention, you know, we're not even supposed to know what's going on. We're just supposed to be staring ahead, but we're all giggling. And, you know, unfortunately there was no dramatic ending to that story. She just eventually turned around and cried as we marched back to barracks. <laughs> but again, I, that is like the most entertaining boot camp story I have, um, I screwed up quite a few times in boot camp, and I'll get into that at later dates. But, you know, for me, that, that is, like I said, I'm going for entertainment value for that one. Well, I uh, find my screw-ups to be extremely entertaining. Oh, uh, well, mine, you know. Because I, like I said, <laughs> I, I, I was not ready for the military. I did not know what I was getting myself into, and I... Yeah, I got I got myself into a little bit of heat trouble. Like they had they had my papers to kick me out ready three days into basic training, and I didn't. Justin like Justin was always telling me, "We're gonna kick you out. We have to do is sign the paperwork." I didn't believe. Him. I thought it was you know all tall talk. <laughs> and the end of in the basic, they're like, "No, we have it here. You see." And I'm like, "Ooh." <laughs> He's like, the only thing that saved you was your heart. And because I never gave up. I was like, screw this. I'm making, I, I, I'm committed. Yeah. And that's, and you know, I, I think right there, I mean, I'm not, 
in no way downing or degrading civilians. But I think right there you hit on the big difference between civilians and service members or veterans because, I mean, just, you know, I'm not going to I'm not gonna be naive enough to say we have no quit, but we have a lot less of it in us. Uh, I mean, I definitely saw a few people that, you know, they couldn't make it through basic, and then later uh, I served on the submarines. I saw a couple of guys who could not handle submarine service, but... I mean, if you look at that, I mean, that was a tiny fraction of the population. And like I said, that's the big difference between veterans and civilians. And I mean, you know, again, yeah, we, we, all have, we all have our parts. We all have mm-hmm. our places. And I'm not downing everybody. Um, but again, as, as a veteran myself, as talking to a fellow veteran, you know, I just feel in my heart of hearts that, you know, circling back to my point, um, we are a vulnerable population. And, you know, now that we've, you know, got a little bit of humor and Richard's been pretty self-deprecating here, <laughs> um, we're going to take a, a step into the serious, serious side of it. Uh, again, like I said, you know, I've hit on it again. You know, veteran, veterans are a vulnerable population. You know, again, 23 to 25 veterans a day committing suicide. You know, that's unacceptable. Um, and it's my understanding that... You know, here's where, again, well, again, we're going to take a step into the little bit more serious, and Richard has a story he'd like to share with us, stepping into that realm. All right. I did two tours in Iraq. First one was relatively easy. Um, we were We were really well protected, even though it was the invasion, but we were pretty well protected, you know? We, I saw some stuff. We... Did a lot of time in our mop suits, you know. Uh, okay, the mini- like, again, yes. military acronyms. <laughs> uh, mop is, I can't remember what the acronym is, but it's it's basically a giant charcoal suit. Yeah. Mission-oriented protective posture. <laughs> and yeah, there he goes. Uh, and um, it's basically to protect us from chemical attacks. Because at the time, we had no idea if there were going to be chemical attacks. But, I mean, the scariest thing, I think, was when the, uh, I think they're called M9 alarms, basically chemical detection things, uh, 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 alarms, but they are super sensitive, so they go off even when there's not chemical in the air. So when you hear that, you, 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 bam, you're in your, you, you, bam, gas mask mop, you're hidden. That's the scariest thing I think that happened to me until I got my second deployment. My second deployment, I was in this uh, little, uh, little uh, camp called uh, Scania, and CDC Scania, and it's about halfway between Talil and uh, and Baghdad. Well, we were getting mortared constantly. This base was tiny. I mean, the perimeter of the base was like a mile. The parking lot was bigger because we were basically a glorified truck stop. And uh, we were getting mortared. We were getting mortared like three or four times a week. Mortared, mortared, mortared. And I finally had I finally had enough and kind of snapped. And got really, really, really angry. And uh, I remember the smoke session where my, dro- my sergeant was pushing me, you know, I was doing push-ups, flutter kicks, the whole nine yards, and I was cussing everybody out, I mean cussing everybody out, somebody was walking through, cussing them out, 
cuss my sergeant out, cuss all my sergeants out. I mean, it was just a nonstop uh, swear cuss session. And he said, I'll stop smoking you when you quit swearing. Well, sorry. Let, 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 let me interrupt. Just just for clarification, uh, so this is this is not while a mortar attack is happening. This oh, is not the, while, exactly. This is just you going through your daily routine. Yes. You're, you're yes. swearing, you're, I mean... I was. I was being You're taking it out on, on everybody. I'm taking it out on everybody. Were, were you looking for a fight, or were you, do you think you were just venting? Um, I think I was looking for a fight. Okay. Uh, like, this was way past venting. I was, I was, I have never so, been that mad in my entire life. So, so would it be fair to say, and like I said, this is my dime store psychology, <laughs> and this is a while back, so if you don't remember, uh, so would it be fair to say that you're, you're just looking for that release? I mean, and... At that, at the level you're at, I mean, physical confrontation was the only way that that would be satisfying. Exactly. Okay. We okay. You, we have a whole bunch of guys, same guys, day in and day out for a year, and there's no there's no release. He's like you have your, you have the gym, but and like you like you said, I mean, you are being you are being attacked several times a week. Yes, and this isn't. I mean, a mortar, mortar. I mean, stop, stop me if I'm wrong. I mean, you're you're the army, I'm navy. But uh, a mortar is an indirect fire weapon, meaning you don't even see the people who are lobbing no, mortar. You don't mortar rounds at you. You don't. So there's no way you. Oh as, yeah. You as a grunt, there's no way for you to respond other than just find a safe place and I hope a, you don't catch it. I was a mechanic. My job was to fix the fix the trucks coming in. You know, it's like, you know, whenever I was, like, we you know, we got shot at when in my first deployment, but, you know, it wasn't, it's like, I, t- t- the target, I see the target, go, I can deal with that, but more is, what am I going to do with my rifle? No. Nothing. So, so again, and this is it, this is me just, like, trying to, trying to set the stage, trying to make sure people understand do, what I'm do saying, my best yeah. to understand the, what's going on here. Um, so you're being, your, your life is being threatened several times a week. Several times a week. By a, I mean, this isn't like an illness or something. This is, this is a physical enemy, but you can't see, you can't respond. So you're, you're helpless in this situation. I'm absolutely helpless so, I mean, in this situation. Here you, are, here you are, you know, this soldier, I mean, you say you're a mechanic, but you know, they told us in the Navy, you know, we're all sailors, whatever we do. Absolutely. So here, here you are, you know, one of America's best and brightest and you're completely helpless against this enemy you can't see, but it is a physical enemy. It is a physical enemy, okay. but you you can't do anything about it because you're that's not your job right now. You're okay. you you're you're in the middle of this base. You do that, you, there's nothing you can do. Okay. So okay. but so my anger got to the point where they actually took away my rifle for a brief period of time, only a very short period of time. But then they're like, Haley, man, you need you you need you need to do something. And I got put in with a sergeant who was in the uh, who was a medic. And he was helping he started helping me. And sadly, this man lost an eye because some jerkweed Decided that it was a good idea to play airsoft with airsoft guns without, you know, just in the middle of a bunch of people, and he got shot in the eye. So was was this on base? This was on base so, in Iraq. Okay. 
he's like, we have no idea how these guys got it, got the got these things, but that's how I got introduced to the man who saved my life. Okay. He was a chaplain, uh, a captain, uh, Captain Chaplain Hunt, and this man, without a doubt, saved my life at the time. He took me under my, his wing. He uh, talked to me regularly. We would just walk, and he would talk. And the first thing I remember, the first thing he asked, he goes, "How religion? How much religion do you want me to put in it?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm not Christian. I'm pagan." And he's like, "Okay, not a problem. I'll just do the because he's a he was a certified psychologist, a, a, a crisis counselor, I guess." Mm. So he's like, okay, we won't talk about the Bible at all. Straight up. He started talking. He goes, if, and then he said, if you ever need a space for worship in our um, chapel, we will make that happen. And I don't care what anybody says. And he, yeah, he pulled me from the brink. He got me more able to handle my issues. I mean, not long term, just for the deployment, but... I had a lot more issues to deal with than, you know, that. But he he pulled me from the brink. He really did. And I, to this day, thank the gods that he, that he was in my life. Because he really did pull it out. And that's the point of this. Is like, there's always somebody. You can always find somebody. Family. Uh, somebody in your church, if you go to church. Go to the VA. I mean, there are so many resources. We we have, you know, crisis lines. And we have so many resources for us. There is no reason why suicide should be a thing. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, my, my support animal, support dog Luna, is being very, very... She she wants pushing. to be in she wants to be in the podcast. She wants to be in the podcast. Yeah. For for my part, I'm not used to being around big dogs anymore. So she she's she's a very good dog, but it's it's she's pushing me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> um, so um, why why don't you talk a little bit about her since she wants to be a part of the podcast? All right, <laughs> I uh, applied some time ago with a amazing company out of Rockwall, Texas. Patriot Paws. They, these guys, this group of people are the most amazing people I know. They train their dogs from eight weeks to when they're ready. Their guidelines, their requirements are really, really on point. And I finally got my dog after waiting a long time. She's a little yellow lab and she has been amazing she has put me the most important thing she's done is she's put me on back on a schedule every morning at seven o'clock she's punching me to wake me up and i cannot i cannot tell you like if if you like my, my luna is a full service dog but even a just an emotional support animal is amazing because they're trained in, a, in trained in a way where they start reading you and they know when you need help and they know when they you're you're having issues. 
And uh, what was that organization one more time? Patriot Paws. And you said it was out of Rockwall, Texas? Rockwall, Texas. It's okay. just... It's like just south of Dallas. Okay. And uh, I will make sure I have their contact info uh, in the show notes. Um, I mean, I'm sure I, I haven't... This is just me going off the cuff here, but I'm sure they would appreciate donations. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, that's... I mean, if you if you feel like giving... Uh, this definitely sounds like something worthy. Uh, like I said, I'm seeing Lunar right now. Um, you know, again, I consider Richard a friend, and seeing the impact she's had on him just in the short time that he's had her, uh, this definitely seems like a worthy cause. And again, you know, you heard Richard say it uh, in his words. You know, this is just another tool that he has to support him as a as a veteran. You know, to support him through his day to day. And again, you know, these that's an organization. Whose purpose is to help veterans? And again, you heard Richard say it after I said it. Somebody is always listening. Um, you know, they've got a pretty broad job, but in this case, uh, you know, from the story he told, this Army chaplain made a big difference in Richard's life. And the big thing he did for him was give him somebody to listen to and somebody to talk to. And uh, again, which, you know, I said at the top of the show, brings us right back to one of the tenets of this show is that somebody is always listening. Uh, somebody is always willing to help. Uh, Richard's stepping away for a moment. Uh, so it looks like it might be a good place to take a quick break. And with that, we'll be back in just a moment. Right, so uh, welcome back. Uh, again, this is Joey, and uh, I've got with me Richard and his service dog, Luna. Uh, Richard just got done sharing a story about... Uh, big point in his life where somebody helped him and the big thing was the talking cure it's um, taken additional steps since then uh, again with us is Luna his service dog um, Richard shared uh, so again I'm going to share I haven't really shared the story with anybody but my wife and she was a big part of it uh, but when I got out of the Navy back in 2012 it was under less than ideal circumstances and uh, I don't throw this term around lightly because people don't understand it. Uh, but looking back, because of the way that I was handled, the way I was treated, the circumstances that I was put out under, I'm pretty sure I was suffering from undiagnosed post-traumatic stress disorder or post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, again, most people don't understand that, so that's why I, I am very hesitant to throw that out. I'm not a doctor, but... Everybody that I've talked to said that if I did sit down with one, I would have been diagnosed. Um, so for my part, I was still functioning in society, but I could not function in my family. Um, not going to get too deep into details. I don't want to take away from Richard's story. And again, with the people involved, I haven't talked to them and gotten there okay. So we're not going to share that right now. Uh, but let's just say I was not a very good friend and I was not a very good husband. Um, but the person who saved me, I will just say her first name. Uh, her name was Wanda, and she worked at the St. Mary's Georgia VA. Um, it is a very small VA clinic. It was not even a permanent structure. Um, but it's a very small clinic, and she basically look, took one look at me, and you know, I, I don't know exactly how she thought or what she said to herself, but she decided that I was somebody she needed to help. Um, where I was at, like I said, again, I was functioning in society, but as soon as I walked through the front door of my home, 
I was a bad husband, I was a bad father, I was barely able to function, and if the wrong person had said the wrong thing to me, I would have taken my life. Um, my wife, realizing that she's over her head, she could not help me anymore, uh, got me into the VA clinic. You know, I'd heard horror stories about the VA, and, you know, if you've experienced that, I am truly sorry, but I've always had what I would, what I would describe as above average to excellent service at the VA. And like, again, this, this woman, Wanda, you know, she, whatever else she had going on, again, it was a very tiny building, but there was a military base there. There was a very large veteran presence there. So I know she was a busy person, but she went above and beyond to help me both to get me enrolled in VA care. And then later uh, I had to do some inpatient treatment at one of the local inpatient facilities and, you know, she jumped through hoops and made that happen. And uh, just to give you an idea of where I was emotionally and physically, uh, I remember talking to her. But when I went back into the clinic after I had completed my inpatient treatment, I didn't even recognize her. But she she came around the corner and saw me and she made a comment to the effect of like, oh, you look so much better when you're standing up straight. And I was, you know, oh, who are you? And she introduced herself to me again. And, you know, she didn't take offense. She's like, yeah, you were in a very bad place. You know, I'm so glad to see you here standing up, talking to people. You're actually smiling, you know. So, you know, I could, I could talk for a while about this woman, but she really was an angel. And like I said, the very first thing she did was listen. And I mean, then from there, she was amazing. You know, she helped my wife. You know, I found out later that she was calling her and talking to her personally. You know, did my wife have what she need? Were we okay? You know, again, I was not in a good place. I was not a good person. Um, she asked, you know, did she feel safe around me? And, you know, you know, again, with the help that she provided initially, she was the one who got the ball rolling. And like I said, I am, I am pretty sure that she saved my life because I was standing on the ledge of either you know, seriously hurting one of my loved ones or hurting myself. And like I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep saying it because that's one of the show tenets is that somebody's always listening. You've heard me say it. You've heard Richard say it. I'm going to have more guests on and hopefully they're going to reinforce that, that belief of ours that somebody is always listening that you do matter. And, uh, and again, the second part of this, you know, we opened it with a little bit of levity. You know, Richard told us, a personal story. I told a personal story that didn't involve me, <laughs> um, but we're ending it kind of on a sadder note and that's not really my intent. Just, you know, I'm looking at it as more a serious note. Um, so yeah, um, that's really it. I'm going to throw out a couple of numbers real quick. Uh, the veterans crisis line, 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text to 838255. Uh, Richard, was there anything else you'd like to talk about at this time? Yes, um, there is. Um, I just want to say that, you know, PTSD is is very, very common amongst, among veterans. Some people saying most veterans have some form of PTSD. And the thing about PTSD is it's... Like, like I, I've been diagnosed with it. I have severe. 
and I'm probably going to have to deal with these things my entire life. But that is not always the case for everybody. Sometimes you just need a session, a couple sessions. Maybe it's just a minor case. Maybe some of the stuff that happened in your childhood is affecting your you now. Counseling helps. I promise if you need counseling, they will get you the help you need. It's always confidential. There, there's never going to be anything. This is not going to hurt you in any way just to go sit down and talk to somebody. And if you can't do that, you can always find somebody. And you know, there's some people out there who don't like telling their stories. I strongly encourage every veteran to tell their stories. Even if it's not traumatic, even if it's because you start talking and people listen to you and it gives you confidence to maybe tell the more personal stories. Talking about it will help. It helped me so much. I was you know, self-destructive. I was doing, I was hurting myself and then I started talking and now I'm not. Please find somebody if you need that help. Please, because I do not want to lose another brother or sister to this because they feel that nobody will help them. Being strong and being dependent doesn't mean you can't ask for help. All right. Okay. Uh, thank you so much for sharing, sir. Uh, again, uh, what was the organization you went through for Luna? Patriot Paws. Patriot Paws. Do they have a website, or do you remember? Uh, I'm going to get it in the show notes. It's uh, it's a uh, I think it's like just Patriot Paws. Okay. Uh, they remember they're out of Rockwall, Texas, uh, and they they are an amazing company. I did my research. I did did off. I did my research, and through all the organizations, and these people were. Head and shoulders, the best people that I did. That's why I only, only applied with them. Because nobody else cared about the dogs like they did. So that was uh, Patriot Paws out of Rockwall, Texas. Yes. Uh, I, will, I will get their contact info and I will get it in the show notes. Um, again, uh, I don't know. This is just me speaking out. I should have done a little bit more homework. But I'm sure you know they, could, they would appreciate some donations, some support. Um, even again, like us, you know, just... Get the word out there that, you know, they're here for people, you know, uh, unfortunately, just because of the way the system works, uh, might be a little bit while, a little while, but they're here to help veterans. Uh, absolutely a worthy cause. Uh, they give you a fully trained animal for free. Yeah. And even, even beyond that, I mean, that with something like that, you know, yearly, yearly checkups for free. Do you, uh, not the only thing that you're going to have to pay for medically is like catastrophic. Yeah. I mean, it's like if, if, and a little bit more, I mean, there, there's a little bit of cost obviously, but it's, these people care and you can call them at any time if you have a dog and ask them questions. So. They, they, they're, they're still part of their the dog's life. The, we, they're, they call them the team. We're a team. And they, they're devoted to that team, making sure every veteran is helped. Every dog is placed in, a, in the optimal uh, partnership. And that's, 
to me, that's just amazing that, you know, they're, they're devoting their lives and their time and their resources to such a worthy cause. And again, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how you can put a price on something like that, but I mean, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. You know, if they save one person, if, if one dog saves one person, like, you know, okay, this dog needs me, this team supported me, you know, that's priceless in my opinion. And, you know, again, a worthy cause. And again, I'm seeing Luna in front of me and, you know, seeing what she's doing to help my friend. And that's amazing. Um, so again, a couple of numbers, a couple of contacts just to wrap the show up. Uh, Veterans Crisis Line, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Uh, you're going to dial 1-800-273-8255 or text to 838-255. That was the Veterans Crisis Line. I believe you'd press option one. Uh, so always somebody there to listen. You know, and again, you know, we want, we want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Uh, Richard has indicated that he wants to be involved in this going forward, and I would be absolutely thrilled for that. Uh, right now, you can find us on Facebook at Voices of America's Veterans. I do have an email account if you would like to email us. Uh, it is neveralonenneverforgotten at yahoo.com. Uh, so again, on Facebook at Voices of America's Veterans, and then an uh, email at neveralonenneverforgotten, all one word, at yahoo.com. Uh, and that is it. Uh, this is a work in progress. Um, uh, this was fun for me. Hopefully, Richard. Oh, was... I had a blast. It was amazing. <laughs> so, um, moving forward, hopefully, I'll get a little bit better. On you know, most likely, I will do my best to have Richard back on. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Later.